This is a Federal News Network podcast. The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Mark Amtower of Amtower and Company, which is entirely responsible for its content. This is Amtower Off Center on Federal News Network. Every week, author, speaker, consultant Mark Amtower gives you his take on what's going on in the world of federal marketing. Now, your host, Mark Amtower. Welcome to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. Uh, I'm, I have a first time guest today, and I'm, I've been looking forward to this for a while. Erica Pyatt runs the. Uh, the LinkedIn operation. She's a manager of advocacy and government for LinkedIn in Washington, D.C. Erica, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for getting approval to come on. As we were talking before we, we went on air, oftentimes companies will send people who are not familiar with the landscape here in D.C. to come run a government office. Uh, you, though, although you're not a native Washingtonian, you've been here 20 years. So I'd really like to take a, a look at your background here because I think it'll solidify your, your ability to communicate what you can do with and for those audiences that you're trying to attract uh, for LinkedIn. So let's go back to 2001. <laughs> Um, yeah, so so moved here for college um, in back in 2000, and was hell bent on uh, studying politics and becoming a lobbyist, uh, which for lots of reasons was uh, ultimately not a good career <laughs> career path for me. Uh, I think I, I very quickly realized that uh, it was not you can't always lobby for the things that you believe in 100% of the time, and uh, didn't feel like I was that good of a, a salesperson to sell the things that I wasn't super passionate about. So worked, uh, spent some time on the Hill, uh, both on the House side and the Senate side for members uh, from my home state of Minnesota. After that, you know, had a, had a really wonderful experience uh, in both of their offices, uh, Congressman Sabo and, uh, and Senator Dayton at the time, now former Governor Dayton. Uh, but realized that I didn't think that working on the Hill long term was was the career trajectory I wanted. So uh, so went to a former professor, Steve Roberts, uh, who is a, a very well known and uh, an accomplished journalist in his in his own right, um, and, and kind of had that existential twenty one year old crisis with him of like, oh my God, what am I going to do? I thought I wanted to do this. I don't know what I want to do anymore. Uh, and he was the one who suggested and, uh, that I check out the the world of um, of media and of political media. So I spent the, uh, the first eight years or so of my career uh, working for uh, an agency, a political media agency, uh, doing issue advocacy, campaigns, and, uh, and independent expenditures. And a uh, fantastic experience. I learned um, so much about not just how the people get elected, but how the, uh, how the proverbial sausage gets made. Uh, and after that, really developed a passion for state and local government. And I think it's just such a neat space. Uh, so had the opportunity to join the team at, at Governing, um, which uh, unfortunately was, uh, was a retired media outlet as of late 2019, but really at the time um, was the foremost and preeminent 
leader in in the state and local government space. Fantastic editorial team there. It, it was the uh, the state and local equivalent of Government Executive Magazine, and I subscribed for a number of years. It was an excellent publication, great way to stay in touch with the issues facing uh, executives at the local level. Mm-hmm. And um, and it, it was really at governing. So I led the financial services vertical at governing. Um, and it was there that I really got to spend a lot of time working with uh, with teams who were selling to the public sector and, and really started to develop uh, a knowledge and understanding of that space and how that business works. From there, uh, so it was at governing for about four years and then really started thinking about the change in in media and the the ways in which that we consume uh, information more changing and shifting from a very print and uh, I'll say you know a quote unquote old media world of you know I did a ton of television and print and radio buying and as things were shifting to digital one of the things that I really started craving was um, was to be in an organization that was purely digital. So I uh, did a small tour of duty along the way at a content marketing agency, which really gave me an appreciation for good content and the role that good content can play and needs to play in marketing. Uh, and then I uh, was with a, a DC-based startup that's a, a technology platform, a chat platform, uh, for about a year before joining LinkedIn. And so I joined LinkedIn, um, about a year after our team in DC was established, but to your earlier point, Mark, um, we wanted to establish a team here in DC who knew the market, who could speak fluently to the uh, the challenges that our customers are facing, who fluidly understand the audiences that our customers are trying to engage with. So, so to that end, our team uh, looks after a lot of the the government contractors uh, we do a lot of cross-functional help across our teams with with teams um, you know who may be looking after bigger companies we help out with the the public sector uh, efforts there uh, we also do a lot of work with trade associations nonprofits, um, and the government agencies themselves so when a government agency is looking to use LinkedIn as a marketing vehicle whether that's for economic development purposes, thinking about how to attract uh, new businesses and talent to their their regions, or you know, a, a health agency wanting to communicate with physicians. Uh, we know who all the physicians are, so it's a great way that they can use our platform as well. So that's uh, kind of by way of background, a little bit about me and uh, and a bit about who uh, my team is at LinkedIn and what we uh, what we look after. Yeah, it it's interesting. We we parallel the migration to the digital world in a way. Uh I've been on LinkedIn since early 2004, so I was I was pretty early. I'm fairly certain you got here before me. Yeah, Reed tells me that I was in the first quarter million, so and and I know that because I I know what number I am, but but I I read uh, I I was there for three years and I didn't do anything, and then I read two books that that really changed everything. I read Jason Alba's I'm on LinkedIn Now What, which is a classic. Uh, uh, I mean the the title first of all said it all to everybody who was there in the early days. You you were sitting there waiting for something to happen. He went through the mechanics of LinkedIn. 
But the same year, David Meerman Scott came out with the first edition of the new rules of marketing and PR. And he did not mention LinkedIn, but he talked about how Web 2.0 tools were democratizing the ability to share, develop and share information across the web. And your, your migration to digital is there. So I took what Jason taught me about LinkedIn and applied it to what David was talking about. And I've been an advocate for LinkedIn literally ever since. It's just an absolutely cool tool. I do want to talk about, though, some lingering misconceptions uh, on the platform. And I don't want to start right now because I don't want to cut it off in the middle. We're going to go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Erica Pyatt of LinkedIn right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Erica Pyatt, who is the Manager of Advocacy and Government at LinkedIn. I want to address some lingering misconceptions about LinkedIn. I still hear from some CEOs that it's nothing more than a job board. How do you respond to that? So the, the first thing that I would say is we certainly are a job board. We want to be the, the place where people come to find uh, what we like to, to call your next play as we are working through uh, the economic impact of, of COVID-19 right now um, and the tremendous impact that it's having uh, across the economy. We absolutely want to be the platform where people come to find that next play. It is our vision as a company to uh, help create economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. Um, so lofty goal there. Um, we also, you know, are really all about helping uh, organizations find the talent that they need to grow. But what's really interesting and, and the big shift that's happened over the past, call it, let's say, five years or so, is that LinkedIn has become, as you noted, um, so much more than a job board. Um, and so now for our members who are not actively seeking work, if you come into LinkedIn and you're scrolling through your feed, um, what you're much more likely to see is information that is relevant to the role that you play at your company. So if you're, uh, if you're a marketer uh, like I am, you're going to see a lot of information about marketing. Um, if you lead a sales team, I see a lot of uh, information on my feed about um, coaching best practices, how to de help develop and grow uh, the people on my team and things that are relevant to your industry. And so that has become the reason why people come back to LinkedIn every day, looking to, to learn, to stay connected to, to their networks, to make sure that they know what they need to know to do their jobs that they're currently in really well to advance their organization. Cool. The next one is, is a very much on a personal level. When you connect with someone, uh, I've had the, the occasion to point out to people that, no, I'm not automatically on your e-newsletter list. Now, recently, LinkedIn started its own internal newsletter that people can start. I've not explored that yet. It's certainly on my to-do list. But these are newsletters that they send out via email. I've explained carefully to some of them that I don't think it's LinkedIn's policy that my email can now be appended to other outside lists. Your take, please. 
Um, yes, that's correct. Uh, if somebody is adding you to an email list, uh, they should be getting your explicit permission to add you to their list. Uh, the acceptance of a connection request on LinkedIn is not not the in the explicit approval that, that I want to join your email list. Uh, so they should be doing that. And then um, they should also be making sure that any email newsletter that they're sending out does have the appropriate uh, and easy to access unsubscribe option for you as well. Right. So you guys have implemented some, some things around GDPR and the California privacy laws as well that impact this. Are, are there any specific that we should point out? Um, so we are. We made the commitment uh, back when GDPR was was enacted and and came into effect. Gosh, I'm losing track of my years. It's, it's been about almost two years now um, since since that went into effect for EU residents. Um, but that we would be GDPR compliant globally. Um, so. I know you were you were curious to to talk a little bit about exploring some of the important settings and privacy features. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit hard without a screen share, but um, for anybody who's got their LinkedIn open, um, if you go up to the top of of your LinkedIn, and I'm sitting here looking at a, a big monitor, so um, this is for the desktop site. It's uh, relatively similar on on mobile, but if you go up and you click on on me, so your your picture in your upper right hand corner. Um, head down to your settings and privacy. That is uh, where you can get all the information, um, change and adapt all of your settings. See how LinkedIn uses your data and change any of those settings that you'd like. So it goes everything through account preferences, um, visibility to people who are or are not in your network, um, communication, so how you get notified of things on the platform. Um, then the obviously very important uh, data privacy section, um, and then some information on our advertising right there for you in the settings uh, portion of your profile. So really easy to access. Um, obviously, transparency around data privacy um, is, is very core to us in, in making sure that we um, earn and retain the, the trust of our members. Right. When I'm teaching LinkedIn, when I'm coaching uh, teams on LinkedIn, uh, oftentimes people have never been to the settings and privacy page, and they are amazed to see how many different things you actually control. And I always view it as one of the more uh, mundane portions of, of my training but for some people, it's, it's really eye-opening. So if you haven't been to the settings and privacy, please uh, take a half hour, click on that me uh, down arrow, go to the settings and privacy, and, and take a deep dive. So from that, um, most popular features, you guys track everything. So uh, I know for several years, it was who viewed my profile. And now without a paid membership, you can't often see who's viewed your profile. But I'm assuming that's still relatively high, if not number one. What are the other popular features on LinkedIn? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm, if I can turn it around to you for a second, um, sure. being, being a very early adopter, and I, I've called you a power user, though you've tried to, to shrug that, uh, that moniker off. Um, I'm curious to know, um, you know, what, what are the features that, that you gravitate toward? Oh, well, I always look at who viewed my profile. <laughs> um, 
I, I do have a paid membership, but I have the earliest business paid membership. So I pay less mm -hmm. than 200 bucks a year. So I still have some features, not as many as the navigator, but, uh, but enough to play with. I love the ability to share information from other sources on LinkedIn. So when uh, uh, I no longer have the ability to post direct to groups, but I can post it to my profile. And when it goes to my profile, it goes out immediately to uh, 10,000, just under 10,000 people who are in my network. So it's going to go in their information feed and, and correct me if I'm wrong. It should go in the notifications page. Is that correct? Or does it go to the homepage? Um, so it will be, so it's going to be anything that you post on your profile. And also in addition, any, anything that you comment on any post that you comment on or react to. So a like, an applause, we've we introduced some, some different reactions recently. Those all live within your profile. Um, but the way that most people interact with content um, when you post it uh, and share an article that you found interesting or share uh, perhaps a podcast that you are, are speaking on uh, is in their feeds. So that's really the core of, of LinkedIn um, and how most people interact is scrolling through the feed, seeing information, whether it's uh, a video on the platform, um, we've seen a massive uh, adoption of live video on the platform since we started rolling that out last year, um, still in beta, um, but some really cool, cool videos being done by a variety of organizations uh, on, on the platform, sending people off to websites. Uh, I know one of, uh, I will go back to your uh, common misperception, um, is that LinkedIn will penalize you for taking people off-site back to your own your own website um, because that is the world according to some other social networks how how they have written uh, written their algorithms. I would say actually most of the content on LinkedIn drives to external websites. We know that's how business gets done. So feel free to send people to your website. Totally okay. No negative uh, algorithm implications there. But that is, the feed is the primary way that people engage with and interact uh, on LinkedIn. Yeah. The other piece that we've seen a tremendous um, increase in um, over the last number of years, um, and even more so since we've all been, been working from home in this, uh, in this global pandemic, is messaging. And messaging... Um, between contacts, between colleagues. Um, I always joke that our, our clients who know me best know that if they need something, if they need an answer, they are much more likely to get it quickly by messaging me on LinkedIn than they are by sending me an email because my email inbox is, you know, like absolutely ridiculous, like, like everyone's is. But my LinkedIn inbox hasn't gotten to that point quite yet. So well, right, right uh, now, this me with questions. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the stats were, and they probably still are the same, you're 11 times more likely to be read in mail than you are in email because of that, that amount factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and, and just the casual messaging, um, you know, we're used to doing that on other platforms, um, and people are doing that now on LinkedIn, and whether it's messaging um, people outside of your organization or internally within your organization, I'm looking at my... Uh, my message history right now. And it's probably like 50, 50, you know, me messaging people, other people who work at LinkedIn or who are on my team and, and people who are external. So we're seeing that, that uptick and use as a way to connect with 
uh, with people in your network um, as, as a really powerful way for folks to, to stay informed uh, about what's going on in their world. Cool. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I will be back with Erica Pyatt right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Erica Pyatt, who heads up the D.C. office of LinkedIn. And uh, I'm, uh, again, I'm just thrilled to have you here. Uh, I want to touch on one, one other thing that I use uh, literally every day. And sometimes I spend as much as a half hour doing this first thing in the morning. Uh, I go to the notifications page and I look for birthdays, job changes, and promotions. And I do this because I want to acknowledge changes in somebody's career. I want to acknowledge uh, the, the birthdays, but I do it for almost a mercenary reason. Maybe it is a mercenary reason. I look at their profile first. I will look at their company page as well. I want to know who else I know at that company. I want to know where they are in the food chain of that company. And that's going to dictate the kind of message that I send. So it's not simply a a simple happy birthday. It'll be happy birthday, Andy. Uh, You know, we haven't talked for six months. Let's get on the phone and catch up. Uh, So I'm, I'm trying to engage as much as possible with each of these things for job changes. If somebody's going to a new company and I know people at that company, I offer to do some introductions if they haven't already met them. So for me, it's just a wonderful way to stay in touch with key people in my network. I have nearly 10,000 connections. There's no way I'm going to touch bases with all of those people. But if I do this on a regular basis during the course of a year, I'll touch base with the vast majority of them. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point, Mark. And I'd also add to it, keeping, you know, when you are connected with somebody or when you're following someone, seeing what they're posted and engaging with the content that they post, letting them know when something has been particularly valuable or impactful for them um, is a great way to engage with people. Um, And to your point, the idea of social selling and uh, and how you are connecting with and, and uh, engaging with folks in your network is really important. Okay. Now, I, I want to get on to LinkedIn as a publishing platform. It was about five years ago, maybe a little longer, just before you went to LinkedIn, that Jeff Weiner enunciated clearly in, uh, I forget what the platform was, but there's a video on it somewhere, uh, three specific areas that LinkedIn wanted to uh, play significant roles in. One of them was to be the professional network for all professionals worldwide, period. Uh, I forget number two, but number three was to be the business publishing platform for all and any business news out there. LinkedIn wanted to be part of it. So that intrigued the heck out of me because I was already (laughs) publishing on LinkedIn. I was one of the betas for uh, Pulse back when it was called Mm -hmm. Pulse. And I I saw tremendous traction from that. So talk to us about LinkedIn as a publishing platform. Um, Absolutely. So I'm going to kind of break this down into into two pieces. And um, one, talk about what you as an individual 
can do and, and publish and, and how to, to do that on the platform. And then the, the other side of it is really about um, kind of us as a publisher, if you will, um, but what we are doing on, uh, on the news front and with our, our editorial team. Um, so we've got some really interesting developments there um, really in, in just the, the past uh, couple of weeks. So, so we'll share those. For you as an individual, there are um, kind of three, I'll say, different ways in which you can create and, and post content to LinkedIn. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go like simplest to most complex, perhaps. Uh, the first is the easiest. Uh, it's sharing a, a quick update. Uh, sharing an, a link to an article that you're reading, sharing a post. And if you're, um, if you're on LinkedIn and you're looking at your feed, it's going to be right at the top and it'll just say start a post. So you click on that. What do you want to talk about? Um, we actually just uh, last week, two weeks ago, I'm losing track of, of time here, um, reintroduced the ability to do polls. So you can now poll your network, uh, poll the, the LinkedIn community, um, whether you're wanting to know, you know, what should be the topic of my next podcast, or I'm um, speaking at a conference, and what are the three things you want to hear from me? Um, or, you know, when my teammates put something out asking, like, we're going into this long weekend for Memorial Day, what are you most looking forward to? So lots of different ways that you can can use polls to uh, to get the pulse of uh, of your network and, and the LinkedIn community. Uh, so creating a post, short form, fastest, easiest thing to do. Um, I recommend, I don't always follow my own advice, uh, but it's my goal too, and I strive to um, share at least one thing a day to your network. Let them know what you're thinking about, what uh, insight and knowledge you have. Um, you, you know, people often can can be uh, hesitant to share, feeling that they are, you know, not necessarily the subject matter expert within their organization, but everybody is uh, in their roles and in their jobs because they uh, do have some degree of, of subject matter expertise. And your your customers, your prospects, uh, and your network are curious to to know what you know and uh, and to have your opinion on it. Um, so that's the the first and easiest thing. Um, the second piece, and we can debate what level of difficulty here. So uh, I do take, take this a bit with a grain of salt. Uh, but the second piece is creating a video. One of the things that I would encourage everyone to do is to pull out the phone, do a selfie video. Uh, one of the things that we see really resonate on, on LinkedIn is that authentic, not always really highly produced video. So if you, uh, if you don't walk around with uh, a makeup crew and, uh, and cameras and lights uh, trailing you at every moment, that's totally, absolutely okay. Uh, I think some of the most interesting videos that I've seen are people, you know, just kind of riffing, having uh, a little bit of stream of consciousness thought, uh, but talking about what, what they're thinking about, what's, uh, what's interesting to them, or doing quick interviews with somebody that they think their network will, will find interesting. Uh, and then the third piece, Mark, going back to uh, the original way in which uh, in which you publish, is the old pulse, uh, the new long form content, and we only have that on desktop because uh, it's hard to write a blog post, uh, you know, that length <laughs> length piece on your phone. Um, although I'm I'm fairly certain I, I've seen uh, I've gotten emails of that length better than like written on my iPhone, which. <laughs> always makes me pause. Um, but what you do is the same way you say, uh, you know, I want to 
uh, create a post and then down there in the uh, in the right hand lower right hand corner of that module is kind of a uh, an opportunity to write something that's longer form um, so you can do that as well get right into our publishing platform uh, just to say write an article on LinkedIn and that is now uh, now open to everyone on the platform we have hundreds of thousands of long form articles uh, written every week by our members yeah the the only caveat I would throw in there is that before you hit that publish button have somebody else review what you've written for clarity and grammar I've posted stuff on my blog and on LinkedIn that didn't get that second set of eyes and I've had friends point out quietly not in the comment section that uh, you might want to revise this mark so just a, a, a quick caveat there. Uh, I write a lot and sometimes I just don't proof very well. So, yeah, it's uh, hard to, uh, when you know what you want to say, it's hard to sometimes be your own, uh, your own editor. Um, but I will say one of my favorite follows on LinkedIn, if you are not familiar with her, is Grammar Girl. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'm blanking on her last name, but her first name is Mignon, and she's um, wildly entertaining and fantastic, although that probably gives away my, my passion for, for commas and ellipses and such. Uh, well, you know, the, the ability to communicate with a written word is not a given for most people. <laughs> so enough said. Grammar Girl is much needed in the world. Uh, we're going to take a break. You're listening to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'll be back with Erica right after this. Welcome back to Amtower Off Center on the Federal News Network. I'm here today with Erica Pyatt. You can find Erica on LinkedIn, oddly enough. And that's what we're talking about. So LinkedIn, I mean, as Jeff indicated a number of years ago now, he wanted LinkedIn to evolve into this huge publishing platform. The news function here, you've got what's going on behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it is, I, I should say, it is not our goal um, to to displace or compete with um, with any publishers. And we actually have a number of publishers who um, for whom we are a key distribution uh, mechanism for, for their content, um, both in terms of, of sharing content on the platform as well as driving traffic back to, to their sites. We, we don't have a desire to uh, to really get into the publishing business in the same way that, uh, that say, uh, a Wall Street Journal or a Business Insider is. Um, but we do have a phenomenal editorial team uh, that is now uh, over 75 strong. Um, when I when I joined LinkedIn and we started talking about the, the editorial team, I, I think there were like 10 of them. So really, really phenomenal group led by, by Dan Roth. And uh, and one of the things that they do um, on a daily basis, which is, which I'm I'm hooked on, is uh, is a morning curation of the news um, that we call the daily rundown. Uh, so it is uh, our editorial team's perspective on on the most critical news of the day, plus curated uh, perspectives from members across LinkedIn. And we do this in uh, in a number of different countries. Um, it's written in nine languages now, so it's so really cool. Uh, and then the editorial team also has a number of, of other projects and, and LinkedIn Live uh, episodes and videos that they're doing, including um, one that we, we introduced 
in, in the midst of, of COVID-19 called Business Unusual, um, which really looks at how, how business is navigating right now. Um, everything from um, working from home with kids and, uh, and trying to, <laughs> to juggle those demands to um, how CEOs are, are trying to lead their organizations through this. Um, so if you're not following the, uh, the LinkedIn editorial team, uh, they are on the platform as LinkedIn News now. We actually just uh, just rebranded them a couple of weeks ago. Um, so give them a, a follow as well. Cool. Um, that brings to mind a, a hopefully a quick question here. During the COVID crisis, have you seen a significant spike in uh, people spending time on LinkedIn? Um, so we have seen a tremendous amount of engagement on the platform. Um, it's really interesting, um, you know, like like every platform, um, the amount of engagement with coronavirus-related content um, started, in, at least in the U.S., and it's, it's really interesting to look at this globally, um, but started to, to inch up, uh, you know, toward the end of February and then hit March. We really see, see a spike there. Um, but we've seen a lot of... of depths of engagement. Um, like I mentioned, we, we've seen a, a tremendous uptick in messaging between, between colleagues. So, you know, the people that perhaps used to, to walk down the hall to see or run into uh, by the water cooler, um, we're now turning to LinkedIn and engaging with each other through, both through the feed um, and through, through messaging as well. That makes sense. So let's migrate to, uh, LinkedIn as a marketing tool. This is one of the things that I've been touting. I mean, number one, everybody you need to know in business is here or 99.9%, right? So, and you have the ability to post articles from other sources here, post your own information here, use your profiles to build subject matter expert platforms, uh, your company information. It is a beautiful marketing tool and still I run across people that that don't quite seem to grasp that um, well well we should we should get you on the payroll mark um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you know there there's kind of two ways to look at this um, one is what you have what you've built and what you've become so good at doing in in you know what we kind of refer to as as social selling and really leveraging the the personal network and the personal connections to drive your business. Um, when we think about this from the other end and think about this as a marketing platform, um, a lot of times marketing is really all about scale. So taking you know, beyond what any one individual can do to, to reach out to customers and prospects, uh, organizations are using LinkedIn and 98% you know, of B2B marketers use LinkedIn. We are the number one most effective platform for B2B marketing. Um, and in the context of, of your audience in this world, you know, I'll put B2G in there as well. Um, but what we know from, um, from a lot of our own internal research as well as, as external research is that when we look at the public sector, they are tremendously active on LinkedIn. Um, I will say even more so at the state and local level, which is, is pretty interesting. But when they are asked about their use of social platforms for work and which social platforms they use to get their jobs done, uh, LinkedIn year over year um, for the last three years or so uh, is the number one most used platform by 
government officials, government agencies, civil servants. Um, so whether that are, are folks uh, who are in legislative capacities or you know supporting legislators, uh, or whether those are regulatory agencies or um, or agencies or you know procurement officials, things like that. Those are all the people who are using LinkedIn and they're coming to LinkedIn same same way you and I are to learn from experts, to learn from their peers, to know what they need to know about what's going on in their industry and in their kind of functional role. So what makes LinkedIn so unique as a marketing platform uh, in the B2G space is that because of all the data that, that people put on their profiles and are kind enough to, to share with us, um, that's how we do our targeting. So when we look to target people who work, um, you know, let's say in, in an IT function in a government agency, we know who all those people are because that's what they do. That's who they are on their profiles. Um, and so we're not trying to guess around that based on the content that they might interact with or who other people that they might follow. Um, so the precision and the accuracy of the targeting is unmatched um, on any other platform. And I think that's what's really our core differentiator and why every marketer, whether, whether this is in the B2B, B2G space or, or more broadly, if, if your target audience is defined by what they do at work or what they know professionally, um, we are the, the best place to find and reach those, those people. I, I couldn't agree more because part of what I teach is uh, account-based marketing, leveraging LinkedIn. So when you go, all, all government agencies have a company profile, um, and that includes major operating divisions within those agencies. So my annual federal census uh, from February shows 2.1 million feds on LinkedIn and you can find them, like we just said, by agency, by operating division, by, by job functional area. So finding the people you need to influence organically is doable. Uh, finding or, or creating a campaign around what LinkedIn can offer advertising-wise is uh, another way to approach that uh, same issue. So, um, you know, again... I, it's just the coolest damn marketing platform I've ever seen. Uh, I would like that. Can I quote you? Sure. Can I, can I get that printed someone like coolest damn uh, marketing platform I've ever seen? I'm, I'm <laughs> uh, it, uh, We probably said that on the show several times, but I will send you an email with that and then you can use so it, I have it? Okay, where, cool. wherever you Screenshot. want. So, <laughs> um, give, give me your final thoughts here. Do you have any favorite uh, features yourself? I'm going to go with a, a new favorite feature. Um, we recently introduced LinkedIn events. Um, so events uh, obviously are a key key component for for any marketer, any seller. Uh, and in the world that we are in now, um, there's been a lot of of talk and re-strategizing about how do we take this uh, you know this thing that used to be core to our strategy and, and bring it into the virtual world. Um, so this was always part of our, our product and roadmap, um, but the, uh, the, the coronavirus situation uh, accelerated the development of it and <laughs> our team 
<laughs> yeah, no, no joke. Um, the the engineering and product team working on this is incredible. So they, they pulled this off soup to nuts in eight weeks uh, to bring LinkedIn events to pages. So either as an individual or as a page, you can now host an event uh, on LinkedIn. I've actually, if you want to see a live example of this, uh, there's a, a webinar my team is doing in a couple of weeks for our association customers. So I've, I created the, the LinkedIn event uh, on, my, on my site. Uh, it marries in with LinkedIn Live, or you can hook it into other platforms like Zoom or On24. Um, but it's a really easy way to invite people within your network uh, to the event to share content uh, with other people who have registered or are planning to attend the event before, during, and after. Um, so really neat functionality. Uh, feels like we're just getting started on it. I know um, looking at the roadmap, there's so many more features coming, but it's a really interesting um, way to continue to engage, uh, engage your network, engage the, the community of interest and, and share relevant uh, and, and meaningful information with them. Yeah, and it's interesting that you're doing the association one first. A lot of the people in, in, uh, in B2G and GovCon uh, don't remember or realize that Washington, D.C. is the home base for more associations than anywhere else in the world. So, just, yep, it's a, it's a big, part of, uh, big part of our team's business. So, um, yeah, so pulling imagine. together uh, some, some interesting information, looking at uh, navigating the, the social presence amidst, uh, amidst everything going on in the world. Well, send me the link to that when you're ready, and I will, I will share it with my network. Uh, and when you awesome. do a B to G one, keep me in mind. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, and thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, one last thing I do. Uh, this is not my day job. I advise companies on all aspects of marketing to the government, but I do specialize in LinkedIn, social selling, content marketing, and building that subject matter expert platform. So if these things are something your company needs to consider, Drop me a line at markamtower at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to Amtower Offcenter. You've been listening to Amtower Offcenter on Federal News Network. Tune in Mondays at noon or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.